This is the story of a little boy, just like any other little boy from his time and place and history. And really, as far as anyone around him was concerned, he wasn't that unusual. Really just a small number of people who understood what was so special about him. And even they didn't know what that meant or what to expect. And so he went about growing up the way little boys do. He did many of the same things his friends did, and he learned in the same places, and he shared in the similar family life. His, his people were both relatives and neighbors from a town that was familiar, a culture that was the guiding sort of identity for people in his area. And so he became one of them, one of us, this little boy became a, a younger uh, teen, and then once in a while something unusual would happen that kind of made you remember that he was special, like that day that he was left behind in the temple in Jerusalem and at 12 years old was talking to the rabbis on their own level. That was a bit of a shocker. But in the end, he also behaved just like 12-year-old boys. He wandered off and forgot to tell mom where he was going. And so here is the story of a little boy who eventually became a young man and eventually around 30 really lived into what he had been brought to the earth to do. And that's where I'd like you to turn with me in scripture to Matthew chapter 3 starting at verse 13. In your pew Bible, you'll find that on page 961. Matthew 3, starting at verse 13, page 961 in your pew Bible. As I said earlier, I like to make you get the Bible out and use it so you learn how to drive that thing. It's useful. It's a useful skill. Then Jesus, at 30-ish, came to Galilee to the Jordan from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Now John would have prevented him saying, "I need to be baptized by you and you come to me." But Jesus answered him, "Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness." And then John consented and when Jesus was baptized immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Jesus knew a lot of extended family, but his best known, most famous extended family member was a cousin named John, who was John the Baptist. And John was well known, depending on who you were talking to, for good reasons or bad reasons. He was definitely a lightning rod. He offended the religious authorities by calling them out for their uh, rigid devotion to themselves and to their systems, and he offended the government by pointing out really awful corruption, but he also told people the essential nature of repentance, 
and determination to admit that you are incomplete until you acknowledge your sin before God. He knew who his cousin Jesus was, and he had rightly said, it doesn't make sense that I should baptize you. And then Jesus said, no, actually it makes perfect sense. And I want to stop here for a minute and examine what that might mean. I think it's pretty apparent if you are looking at it from the author's point of view or from the participants in the story point of view. You see, they in Israel, they had been looking for the coming of the Messiah or Christ. And there were certain criteria that they expected the Messiah to meet. There were certain things that were prophesied, prophesied about him that were meant to be uh, fulfilled in order to confirm that this person was, in fact, the Messiah of whom they had heard and read so much. And that's why when we look to Isaiah, who was one of the most prolific uh, prophets in regard to the coming Messiah says that he will be a suffering servant, that he will embrace indignity, that he will in many ways lower himself beneath his natural station. And it's certainly true, you know, because he is in fact the son of God. Jesus just heard the Heavenly Father say it in no uncertain terms. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And so this announcement from God comes after that moment when Jesus says to John, this is how things should be done. In other words, Jesus at least in that particular instance, for that particular moment in time, needed to be diminished. He needed to be reduced. He'd already been reduced from his heavenly glory to the human frame. He'd already been reduced in his heavenly dignity to having been born in a stable, in a cave, He'd already been reduced to an ordinary childhood and life and an ordinary existence that was unnoticed by most of the people around him. And now he is reduced by accepting a sinner's prayer of blessing after a unneeded sign of repentance. Jesus is, in effect, acting as though he has something to repent about, but he doesn't. Because in God's eyes, he is altogether righteous. That's his whole purpose, actually, is to be the righteous son of God who embraces our repentance for our sake. And so this curious thing happens where John is right when he says, no, you should baptize me. And Jesus says, ordinarily, John, you'd be right, but today, this is how it needs to be. And this begins Jesus's journey of redeeming all of us for glory with God like his own. And that is why Jesus's ministry life begins with baptism and eventually with fasting and uh, 
many deprivations after that. Now, this Christmas, as with most Christmases, you heard a lot of familiar stories. I don't know if you've heard this one lately. It used to be pretty commonly told around Christmas time. It's, it's a story called The Gift of the Magi. It was written by O. Henry, and it is a story with a typical O. Henry kind of twist at the end. It's a story about a sweet couple who lived around the late 1800s and had very little in the way of money and resources. And this couple was deeply in love with each other. And he had this pocket watch that had been handed down to him from grandfather to father and now to him. And he expected one day to hand it down to his child. And he was very proud of that watch. It was very precious to him. And, and his beautiful wife had this long, luxurious hair that she'd been growing since her childhood. It was some, some of the most beautiful hair a woman could ever have wanted. And he loved her beautiful hair. Both of them, being in a relative poverty, wanted to do something special for each other. And if you haven't heard the story, I'm spoiling it for you, sorry. But here's how it goes. He sets his mind out to buy her a beautiful comb he saw her admiring in a shop window for her hair. And she sets her mind upon buying him an appropriate watch fob so that he can attach it to his heirloom watch. The problem is neither one of them have enough money to buy the gift that they so desire for each other. So finally, he decides in order to buy her the comb, he's going to sell his watch. And she decides in order to buy him the watch fob, she's going to sell her hair to a wig maker. And you know what happens? On Christmas, they exchange their gifts and she has a comb for hair she no longer has, and she, he has a watch fob for a watch he no longer has. Isn't that a beautiful story? Think about how that makes you feel for a minute. See, the warmth you feel from that story is a warmth that comes from the recognition that this deep abiding love that we can have for one another always, always manifests in the form of sacrifice. There are a few things that are more pure than sacrificial love. And most of us know what that feels like. Most of us have been fortunate enough to have had some sort of sacrificial love given to us. Perhaps some of us don't realize it yet. And I would say that to all of us young people out there who don't know yet the extent to which our parents have sacrificed for love of us. But you can thank them and you'd be surprised how much it would mean to them. Now take that story of the Magi. I don't know why he called it that. I'm not really sure what his reference was, but I suspect that he thought that the Magi who came to see Jesus that uh, first time years ago on Epiphany, which is why we kept the story going a little bit longer even though Christmas has passed, because Epiphany is kind of the last hurrah of the Christmas season, and it was officially last Friday. And Epiphany perhaps was the day that the Magi came after sacrificing tremendously in order to give gifts to the king. And it's a sign of what he would do for us. 
Everything that we've already said about Jesus up to this point is a recognition of that purest form of love, of sacrificial love. Can you see that the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the very Son of God who dwells outside of space and time, who lives in a constant state of glory and honor, in a constant kind of, of joy and perfect uh, intimacy with God the Father, that what a huge sacrifice it was for him to come, to dwell among us, to stand in the water before John, a mere human being, one that he highly regarded but also said wasn't as great as those who would follow. Imagine him accepting a baptism of repentance when he has nothing to repent of. Imagine everything he will endure and go through that we can understand and then imagine that there was even more that we can't understand that he endured and why so that he could give love to his father and to us that makes the gift of the Magi pale. And so imagining that warmth you feel about that story and then imagine it exponentially greater and you're beginning to understand this Savior, this Jesus, whom we serve and love. My heart's desire over the next several weeks is to help you fall in love with him, to adore him, that you could be so crazy about him that you'd do anything for him or in his name. And don't tell me you won't want to, because I've got news for you. I've noticed whether it was within my will or against my will, I've noticed that there are a lot of Hallmark-like shows out there on TV, and I've seen several hours worth <laughs> and loved every one of them, dear. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <man. laughs> the plots are somewhat predictable, to put it mildly, but there's... There's always a point at the end, right? If you've watched just one, you know where this goes. There's a point at the end where it seems as though this obvious love affair is in grave danger because of a misunderstanding. But then soon after this dangerous misunderstanding, it becomes clear that in fact, one of the lovers has made a tremendous sacrifice for the sake of the relationship that they know they must have. And then there's a kiss and the credits roll. Am I about right? Not to mention the fake snow and, well, all that other stuff. Classic cars, pretty people, Botox. Why do we watch that stuff? What's so appealing about it? Let's be honest, because we all want love. I know, men, you're thinking, well, that my wife likes watching that stuff. My girlfriend likes watching it. My daughters like watching that stuff. Now nah, you watch it with them just the same reason I do, because I'm crazy about my wife and my daughters, and I like being with them when they're having a good time. Because the old saying is true, fellas, 
Happy wife, happy life. Now, let me be clear about that saying before it gets misunderstood. It's because you love them. Because making them happy gives you joy. So don't tell me you don't understand what the appeal is about these, these rather trite and easily predicted movies and stories. Actually, O. Henry did a much better job than your average Hallmark story writer, in my opinion. And here's the thing. We all want someone to love us that much, that unconditionally, to look at us and see the perfect companion, the perfect one to spend your lifetime with. We all want that. Men, you would define it in different terms. Women, you might define it in different terms, but we all want the same thing. Men will define it in terms of respect, and women will define it in terms of love. But they're both love, and they're both respect. Men generally would like to be admired and appreciated by their dearest loved ones. They'd like to be respected by the men that they revere the most, like their fathers. Women would like very much to know that there's a man that is devoted to their security and their happiness. There's other things, I'm sure, but we want love. Now imagine this beautiful Jesus who has come to be all of that to every single one of us. In fact, he guarantees it. He's the perfection of that desire that we all have in our hearts. And this Jesus, more than anything, wants you to know that you are his perfect companion and that God made you for that purpose. And all that stands between you and the perfect companionship of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is sin. And he has come to take away that problem of sin so that you can enjoy that companionship. That's what this whole story is about. And so we want you to fall in love with this Jesus because he's crazy about you absolutely ecstatic about saving you from destruction and you for all eternity in a perfect place that he has prepared for you. And that's what this is all about. So have you ever experienced love like that? I suspect you've had a taste of it from time to time. And I suspect you've given out a certain amount of it at times. But this is a true story, not a Hallmark story. This is a true story, and it's not a story that was made up by an author from 100 years ago. This is a story that is absolutely true, and it's true today, right now, in real time. And all you have to do to embrace that story is to say so, to just say, Jesus, I know you're crazy about me, and I know you want to be the big brother, the father, the husband, the lover. You want to be the, the teacher, the uh, peacemaker, the provider. You are the one who wants to give us everything that matters. And all I've got to do is accept that you're offering it to me free of charge. And that's 
That's really all you have to do is accept the offer. The rest comes through his spirit and his devotion to you. And you didn't deserve it any more than John deserved to baptize Jesus. But Jesus said, this is exactly how I want it to go. So do him a favor. I close with this. I was in the hospital room a couple of days ago with one of our family members who had an accident and was injured. And there are people who are usually on the other side of giving love and support and encouragement to those in need in this church family. And I said to them, I'm going to ask you to do something that won't come naturally for you. I want you to let people in this church family help you. I want you to let them provide for you like you often provide for them. And you will do it for their sake because they want to, because they need to. And this is exactly how you have to approach the Lord Jesus. He invites you to accept his grace and love. And if you claim you love him, then do him a favor and say yes. Do him a favor. Glorify him by submitting yourself to him and trying doing things his way. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for speaking to us plainly today. And now for your glory, for your name's sake, I pray that the words from your Holy Spirit would be burned on the hearts of your people. Amen. Amen.